just really felt prophetically, um, just adding to what Pastor Sheridan said, the word that I really had on my heart for this morning is, don't grow old before your time. You know, it's easy to think that. I just felt God saying that prophetically. Um, I really felt that I should go to this, uh, on this trip to India, and I said to Gillian, I think I'm supposed to go to India, and she said, I think you're supposed to go too. Um, but you know, when you're 65, I know that's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, when, you're, when you're 65, you can easily kind of think, oh man, do I really want to go and do that? But if that's what God's saying, yes, you do. And might I say that I kept up with a young fella most of the time. <laughs> Yeah, even though he's kind of striding it out. He made me go to a, to a shopping mall, and we were there for two hours. Yes. And I, I, said to, I said to Pastor Sharon, this is a dangerous precedent, because I never go with my wife to a shopping mall. So if she hears about this, you know what that means, don't you? Like, two hours shopping, is there anything worse than two hours shopping? Maybe suspended with, like, a, a, yeah, a sports shop, a book shop, an electronic shop. Yeah, I could probably do it. So um, great to be with you. Um, I want to share just a few highlights of our time with India, and it's in the context of talking this morning about the bigness of God. Uh, one of our values as a church is to be big-hearted, and uh, I felt I really, as I was starting to think about this message before we went to India, because I thought coming back with um, you know, jet lag, I might be a little bit more anointed than I planned to be, it'd be good to think about it beforehand, but I really felt I had some revelation while I was away. I said to Sharon, is that because we're at 10,000 metres and you're just that much further closer to heaven? I don't know, but came back with some revelation anyway. But if we can have, Hannah, that map of India, we're not going to show you any photos um, in this particular gathering of the Indian pastors. Lovely to have you online with us this morning, but because it is online, hello to our friends in the Punjab. If any of you are watching, you should be asleep in bed because it's far too late. So, so uh, never mind. Um, but we just didn't want to place any of their, uh, of their safety at risk, so we're not showing those photos. But next Sunday night I'm speaking again, and I think I'm just feeling I'll show some more photos um, of India, so come and see that if you want to. So we flew into uh, New Delhi here. Now, what was memorable about um, New Delhi, and Pastor Sheridan is still getting over this, because you know that Pastor Sheridan loves a bargain, doesn't he? So in New Delhi, we paid 2,000 rupees, 2,000 rupees, Sheridan, for a taxi. It's still hurting him. He hasn't had healing in the memories yet. 2,000 rupees is about 40 New Zealand dollars, most expensive taxi fare. Now, cheapest taxi fare, you can't see it, it's further down to the south, was in Chennai, and... um, Pastor Sheridan got onto his app and we had an Uber, an Uber auto, which are a little bit like the gypneys they have in Asia, you know, with the one wheel in the front, two wheels at the back. And they play kind of like stock cars on the road. You know, there's, there's three lanes, but I don't know why there's three lanes, because no one worries about there being three lanes. You just merge between any of those lanes and occasionally someone will do a U-turn and come back the other way. And so there we had the cheapest taxi fare. Actually, the hard part was on the, on the YouTube app, it said, look out for 1095437 or something, and there's like about 250 of them, so it's like, no, not that one, not that one, not that one, oh, it's that one. So, uh, and price, 58 rupees, $1.38, but I think Uber charged Pastor Sheridan twice, so even at $2.56, there was a bargain, wouldn't you say? Cheapest, cheapest um, taxi fare while we were in India. So we flew into New Delhi and uh, we flew, thank you Jesus, up to Chandigarh because normally they go by bus. So imagine if you've been flying for 16 hours or longer you know, with the gaps and then you jump on this bus and go nine hours to Chandigarh. 
but thank you, Jesus. We jumped on a plane and went one hour to Chindaga, and on a one-hour flight, they serve you a meal. I don't know how they do that, but they do. Um, so we got there. We landed in Chandigarh and then Pastor Sarinda picked us up and it was about a two-hour drive to Dahan, the little um, village. Well, it's quite a big village now. Now, since Sheridan was there, they've now built a two-lane highway in both directions. Again, no lanes because you just weave kind of systematically, you know, in between. No one seems to crash. Well, I think we might have seen one crash. But they've built this two-lane highway in both directions but the Indians know how to build highways. You build two lanes in each direction, but you don't worry about on-ramps and off-ramps. There's all that extra expense. You know those sort of, I don't know what they're called, turnpikes, are they, or um, whatever they're called. You don't worry about those. So if you want to get onto it, and um, you know the entrance is here, you just drive in the reverse direction for the rest of the traffic down the side of the road. It'll kind of move around you. <laughs> And then you kind of just dart across the motorway to get onto the right side. It's just a beautiful thing. I think we should do it in New Zealand. It will save us a lot of money and we could have a lot more highways. So, um, so that was really interesting um, and that was really fun. So um, when we got up there, it was just the right timing for us to be there. And they really just appreciated the encouragement. And as I was thinking about this message of being big-hearted, I really thought I had some revelation that... Often when we think about big-hearted, we think about that scripture about, you know, love God with all your heart and mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And we think about generosity and how when I'm generous, someone encounters something of, of Jesus' generosity for me. Actually, I better just put myself on Punjab time because when we're in the Punjab, we had to preach for at least an hour, Pastor Sarinda said. And I said, what happens if someone falls out a window and dies? He says, you've got to raise them from the dead. <laughs> so most of the time we didn't preach that long. We didn't want to put Jesus to the test. Um, where was I with that? I'm not sure. <laughs> Jet lag. So um, about being big-hearted, you know, we focus on being generous with one another, but the revelation I had is that God actually wants us to be big-hearted with him. And I think it fits into this theme that's coming through of humility, this move of God around the world, revival we're seeing in different places, which seems to be quite specific to different places, um, and God's moving in people's lives. And it's talking about time. What does it look like for you and I to actually spend time with God? And uh, this was really impressed upon me when we were meeting with Pastor Surinder because sometimes you just sit there. And I remember Sheridan and I being in a gathering at Pastor Surette's house, I think it was, wasn't it? And we just sat there. It was half an hour and longer. And they were just doing small talk in Punjabi. I think I don't know what they were saying. They might have been talking about us. <laughs> and we were having these nibbles, always having Coke. Coke's everywhere, folks. Um, and you know it's safe to drink. And, um, you know, that awkwardness, beyond awkward. And then something would come, conversation would come. And we found with Pastor Surinder that, you know, you just needed to be there for a period of time. And then he'd actually talk about what was on his heart. And I really felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me, it's a bit like that with our relationship with God, that it, it takes time to build relationship, time to be in his presence. And often I'm guilty. When I come into God's presence, I've got a whole lot on my mind. And so I give God an earful for at least you know, half an hour or so, and, um, or 10 minutes or whatever it might be. And then it's like, well, Lord, if there's anything you want to say to me, now would be a good time. <laughs> that does not work in the Punjab. You can't build relationships over Zoom. Uh, in the Punjab, you can maybe maintain relationships, and it's great, you know, being online, I want to encourage you, it's great that you're with us this morning, and, and we can maintain relationship, but even if you're online, I encourage you to become part of a small group where you are, 
you know, I encourage you to get into the scriptures for yourself where you are because it's only then that you can really grow in your relationship with God. And so I just learned from Pastor Surrender that actually love is spelt T-I-M-E, time. We so often think about love in terms of, but I have quality time. But actually with God, you need quality time and you actually need quantity time as well. I'm 65 now. I think I mentioned that a couple of times already. <laughs> That's because sometimes I forget. <laughs> they tell me that becomes a bit of a problem as you get older, but I think I was probably that way when I was kind of like 25. So. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest gift that I've got at this, at this stage of life is time. And, and as a grandpa, I want to have time for my grandkids. Ollie's five. He's starting school tomorrow. He's got his little backpack. He's got his little flash haircut, you know, with the kind of... You know, what's that called? Sort of chiseled in the side or whatever. And so when he comes and says to me, Grandpa, will you play Beyblades with me? Say, yes, Ollie, I will. That was a thing when we had kids your age. And they've come back again, folks. Have you discovered that? There's left and right hand turn. And it's just a beautiful thing. Um, When Harry comes and says, Grandpa, will you read me a story? Unless there's a really good reason why I can't. Yes, I'd love to. Because as a grandparent, I should have time for my grandchildren. You know, if I haven't got time now, at 65, I'm never going to have time. And what does it look like for us in our relationship with God to have time? And I really learned that with our visit when Pastor Sheridan and I with with Surinda. It just took time, and then the real questions would come. The things that on his heart would come. But if we just had a Western conversation, oh, Pastor Surinda, I can give you 10 minutes, just tell me what's on your mind. This wasn't going to happen. The other thing that um, I think the Holy Spirit was really talking to me about in terms of, of the, you know, being big-hearted in our relationship with God was that sometimes it's not so much what's being said as what isn't being said that's important. So sometimes as we talk to Pastor Surrender, it doesn't, wasn't what, just what he was saying, but was he, what was he not saying that was important? And I just felt I had some insight that, from that too, that our relationship with God can be like that. You know, sometimes it's not what... Uh, God's saying, but what God isn't saying. Like sometimes I know in, in certain seasons of my life, I felt, right, this is all about building my career. This is all about getting rid of the mortgage. And actually, sometimes God's not talking about that in this season. This season of my life is all, all about getting rid of the kids so I can have an empty nest and Jillian and I can travel. We've got money for ourselves. Actually, God may not be talking about that. Um, this season of my life, I just have to put up, and I really felt today that God wants to do signs and wonders and miracles. That's part of the, the big-hearted nature of God. And you might think, I just have to put up with this. This is my lot. Actually, God may not be saying that in this season. And so sometimes it's not just listening for what God's saying, but what is it that God is not saying in this season? And I learned that from Pastor Surrender. You could think everything was fine on the surface value, but actually... What's Pastor Surrender not saying in this season? And it takes time to discern those and to dig into those kind of things. The other thing that I I really um, learnt in our time in India um, was when we went and we went down to Chennai and we spent some time with um, Pastor Kellyan. Some of you might know um, Kumar. And and he said something that um, shocked me, really. We were, I was talking and saying, you know, it's getting India. I know, I know in parts of India it's getting more difficult to be able to share the good news of Jesus. I said, aren't you concerned about that? And uh, Kellyanne said to me, well, Michael, he said, you know, martyrdom is the only thing that you don't have to do for yourself. Someone else can do it for you. 
I thought, I'm not sure I can ring Jillian and say, hey, Jillian, uh, I just heard that, you know, martyrdom is not something you can do for yourself, but anyone else can do it for you. But it reminded me of the costliness of our faith. And I thought, you know, who were um, the pioneers of Aotearoa New Zealand, Māori and and Pākehā, who sacrificed so we might be here this morning worshipping Jesus, who bought the gospel, who shared the gospel. And we stand in a legacy. We stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. And uh, it just reminded me of the costliness of the gospel, the costliness of what Jesus has done in our lives. Uh, I said at the 9 a.m., Gillian and I were in our hot tub last night. It's a beautiful thing with smoke coming up the chimney. And we're looking at the full moon and thinking it's about a month until Easter, isn't it? Next full moon will be Easter. And to think, I don't understand this theologically, but when Jesus died... The Father could not look on the Son for the only time in all of eternity because of my sin, because of your sin. In all of eternity, never been a time before, never been a time since. When What was that like for the Godhead to experience that kind of blockage, separation? Think of the costliness of that. Gosh, I was bad enough not just being with Gillian for two weeks. Imagine what that was like for the, for, for the Trinity, the costliness of the Gospel. It's a lovely story in, in India because Pastor Surinder was in Pukekohe and um, he was working as a market gardener and then he said he managed a kiwi fruit orchard and during that time he came to know Christ and he went back to the Punjab. I think we decided, didn't we, the Punjab is on the northwestern side of India. My, my Indian geography isn't the greatest but the, the, this is the Pakistan border here so you can see it's quite close to Pakistan. And he went back and... Um, Pastor Roger and Karen Carter had been his pastors in Pukekohe and he got in touch with them and said, there are no churches here. There's nowhere I can go to church. He'd become a Christian in New Zealand. So Roger and, and Karen went and helped them plant churches in the Punjab. And uh, as Activate, um, Pastor Sheridan, I think, has been there for a decade now. You'd never know. Might have lost us here after the first decade. I'm not sure. Um, but we've been supporting them for 10 years and they really appreciate um, that support. Pastor Kellyanne, as we heard, was in Singapore when Pastor Rex uh, and Irene met him. And uh, he was going to Bible college, met his wife Jessie there, and um, made that connection. And they recognized something of the call of God upon his life. And Pastor Kellyanne's vision is to plant uh, a church in every village in India. And we've been partnering with him for nearly, next year it'll be 30 years. And he'll be here, hopefully, um, next year. So... Amazing to think of the, of the sacrifice of those who have gone before. So well done, Activate Church, for your role in just helping uh, what's happening in the Punjab and what's happening in other parts of India. And Gillian's got some, um, Sheridan and I booked back some Punjabi um, bookmarks, and I just felt that the Holy Spirit might place um, the Punjab or India upon some of your hearts. We'd love you to come and get one of these from Gillian and just pop it in your Bible, and whenever you see it, just remember to pray. Um, for the Punjab and to pray for what God's doing in India, that would be fantastic. So being big-hearted. You know, when we talk about our values as a church, it's not just a cliche. Uh, We talk about being big-hearted and belonging, kingdom-focused, purposed and courageous. Um, These aren't just words off the tongue. We really believe that these are characteristics of what a, um, a disciple of Jesus looks like. And they say that, you know, culture will triumph over 
vision any day of the week. So our vision as a church, our mission statement is community transformation by wherever and whenever being like Jesus. And we want to build and activate park here on site so that we can be involved in that transformation in different parts of people's lives. We want to empower each one of us so come Monday morning we can be like Jesus wherever we are. Share something of our story and something of God's story. But if we don't have the culture of what we believe a follower of Jesus looks like, if we're not courageous in doing that, if we're not purposed, if we're not kingdom focused, if we're not big hearted, if we don't have a sense of belonging, it's never going to happen. And so it's really important that we catch the culture that we might do what God is indeed calling us to do in this particular season. And so I just wanted to um, share a little bit about that this morning. And in the time that I've got left, I just want to take you to two scriptures. The first is in Genesis chapter 1, verses 34 to 31. And we're not going to read all of that, but I just want to highlight a couple of scriptures there, if we can do that for us. Hannah, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Saw some of those, those little skinks in India. They're great. And then we went to a crocodile farm. They are much bigger. Come in all shapes and sizes. And then we saw some snakes milking snakes of their venom to make special Indian medicines. So verse 29, Then God said, Look, I have given you ever seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the trees for your food. I have given every living plant as food, all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground. I think I read that, didn't they? Everything that was life. And this is what happened. And God looked at what he had made, and it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. And the thought that I had around that was that you and I created in the image of God. So when we're talking about being big-hearted, we're not put talking about something that we actually have to kind of put on. Yeah. We're talking about something that's in our DNA. Yeah. We're created in God's image. We're created to be big-hearted. Yeah. I, I love that scripture about, you know, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. It talks about relationship. It talks about intimacy. And as you and I are big-hearted in our relationship with God, as we make time to develop that relationship, and look, that will look different for different people. For me, I just know that I need to get back to the gym. I was hoping to come back lighter from the Punjab, but it's about a, a kilo heavier. We, one night we went to this um, beauty, um, I don't know what you'd call it, beauty parlour, I guess you'd call it. Salon, beauty salon, that's the word. And uh, that a couple in the, ch in the church were actually... Uh, brother and sister were running, and they wanted us to pray, you know, God's blessing. First time I prayed, I think, God's blessing over a beauty salon. They wanted to dye my hair black, because all Indian men have their hair dyed black. And they wanted to, to um, dye my um, eyebrows black as well. But I, I would have been up for it, but I thought, I just don't know how permanent this is going to be. And as you walk in, they had a sign, and it said, smoothing. And I thought, yeah, maybe I could do with a bit of that smoothing. But actually, it was smoothing your hair. It was like hair straightening. So, you know, you lose some things in translation, don't you? I have no idea why I mentioned that either. But, but that whole thing about, you know, God's generosity, being big-hearted, having that big picture about the DNA within us. We're called to be big-hearted because that's who we're created to be. And often I, I think about that in terms of my relationship with others, and it's right that we do that. But actually, it's about my relationship with God. 
It's about going to the gym, and, and going to the gym, it's about making intentional time to listen to something that will inspire me in my Christian faith. It's about, I feel the Holy Spirit's talking to me about walking and praying. And actually, our little dog's talking to me about, I'm not sure he's concerned about the praying, but he's concerned about the walking. Are we going walking? And, you know, redeeming that time. It's making time to get into the scriptures and allow them to renew my mind and renew my thinking and give me a bigger vision of who God is. And I think that song that we sing about, you know, the change in the atmosphere, I think the atmosphere changes as we understand the bigness of God, and I think God gets bigger as we actually make it a priority to spend more time in God's presence. And so if we want to change the atmosphere, it's an overflow of our bigness in relationship with God. And that flows out of the DNA that we have, because we're created to be in relationship with God. And the second thought I wanted to leave you from the scriptures um, this morning is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And I'm not going to read all of this for the sake of time, but it's the parable of, of the lost son. And if you are familiar with that story, it's about a son, a younger son, who asks the father for all of his inheritance. And he goes and he just wastes all of the money. And the older son, who's been faithful and diligent all this time, gets quite resentful when the younger son comes to his senses and he comes back, his father sees him, runs to greet him, reinstates him and wants to throw this massive party for him. And I identify a bit with the, young, with the lost son, don't you? If you're honest, you think, man, this rat bag spent all dad's money and he's been off with doing all of this stuff and he's coming back and dad's going to pull out the fillet steak and cook him up a good feed. It's like, yeah, I, could, I can identify with that. And we kind of miss in that story that aspect that the tragedy is that the oldest son, you know, he, he didn't live. He, didn't, he lived as a servant rather than a son. He lived out of a sense of obligation. And so he was resentful to what the father was doing for the younger son. And I think if I'm honest and we're honest, maybe I can't say if we're honest because you're probably always honest. It's probably just me that struggles with sometimes not being honest. Um, you know, I think I can live out of obligation. You know, God, I deserve something more. You know, I've worked hard for you, Lord. I've been to India and back for you. You know, I've suffered the stomach, tummy cramps. None of the deli belly, I'm fortunate to say. I had my anti-diarrhea kit with me. One, two, three, and four. Didn't have to touch it. So that was good. <laughs> I'll be there for another time, maybe. I was counting on that to lose weight, but didn't happen. So came back kilo heavier. So I'll have to work on that instead. But you know, I can be... I can, Come out of obligation. God, I deserve something better. But actually, if I realize that I'm a son, this is my heavenly father, this is my inheritance, there's a whole sense about where to be good stewards, not only of creation, but our relationship with God. Where to grow in our intimacy with Jesus. Because as we do that, we reflect something more of the father's heart for a lost world.